0: And it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. It's a, uh, it's a fairly short verse, fairly brief verse. Of course, if you notice, it begins with a lowercase a and ends with a comma, which means it's one verse you know, in, in the midst of a long train of thought. Um, but again, this is what we've been zeroing in on uh, for the last few weeks. And it says, Ephesians 4 and 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this is um, related to what we see in Romans 12 and 2, where where they're told to not be conformed to this world, but, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so the renewing of the mind is related to being renewed in the spirit of your mind, but the spirit of your mind is a narrowing of the focus. In other words, to be renewed in the mind would just be the mind at large or the mind in general in all our ways of of thinking but when he says be renewed in the spirit of your mind he's talking about something uh, more specific and what I believe the Holy Spirit has revealed to us is that the spirit of your mind is your self-image the spirit of your mind is your self-image the spirit of your mind is how you view yourself. It's how you understand yourself. It's the opinion that you have of yourself, your self-image. And so he's saying, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, the further we progress into this study, the more and more challenging it becomes to go back and review some of the things that we've already looked into. All those sermons are recorded. They're there for you free of charge. There's multiple ways to access them. Um, And so I know that I'm making that statement And and maybe some of you, if this is your first time to hear me teach on this, you're like, well, wait a second, that sounds like a pretty good leap to me. But we've taken the time to go into the scriptures to uh, solidify that point. So one more time, the spirit of your mind is your self-image. A a few other things that we've already established is that your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. Your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. And as long as the image that we have of ourselves reflects the man we were, our conduct and condition of life will reflect the man we were, even though we are not that man any longer. Because what we've been made new creations in Christ Jesus. We've been born a second time of an incorruptible seed. And he created us a new man. And what did he do with the old man? He buried the old man. The old man died with Jesus. And the new man was raised up together with him to newness of life. So the old man that you were and the old nature that you had was buried in an unmarked grave. Now here's something the Holy Spirit um, revealed to me this week. And, and um, it, it's a good, as good a place as any to insert this here. Um, we often hear people say things about human nature. Well, it's human nature to this or it's human nature to that. Okay? Okay. Well, human nature is not the same as God's nature. And when God created Adam, He put His nature in him. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When you were created in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that you put off the old man, and the Bible says the nature of that old man was the nature of a son of wrath, that it was the nature of a child of disobedience. And that was the nature that we had and the only way to get rid of that nature was to kill that nature. You can't reform it. You can't refurbish it. You can't recondition it. You can't send it to, you know, to some kind of class or training to, to make it a better nature. The nature of a thing is the nature of a thing. And so Jesus didn't come to uh, recondition our old nature. He came to kill and bury our old nature and put his nature in us. So when we talk about human nature, human nature is a result of Adam's sin. Human nature uh, replaced God's nature in us when Adam sinned. Are you with me? And so that human nature, if you've been born again, has been buried in an unmarked grave. And so here's what the Lord, it's very simple, but I'm like, where have I been my whole life, right? Here it is, are you ready? And, and I think if you'll begin to look at it this way and change uh, the, the way you say about it, it'll help us move our lives forward. Are you ready? He said, if you're born again, it's not human nature, it's carnal mindedness. If you're born again, it's not your nature, it's, your, it's the way you think. It's carnal thinking. It sounds a lot better to say human nature. Well, it's just human nature to be selfish. No, it's not. That's carnally minded if you're a born again believer. The true image of a born again believer is generous. Are you hearing me? That's your true image. Now, the reason we still maybe struggle with selfishness is because the, the old nature left an imprint on our self-image. It left an imprint on our thinking at large. And so it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, it's just human nature. Well, see, quit, quit giving yourself an excuse. Amen? So no, no, it's not human nature. Uh, it, it's, it's being carnally minded. You're thinking according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. Are you with me? I don't know if that helped you, but it helped me, right? Because sometimes I just, well, you know, it's just human nature. Well, da, 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 da. well, see, we're not mere men any longer, what the Bible says. Amen? We have God's nature in us. And there's nothing selfish about Him. Amen? All right, are you picking up what I'm putting down? All right, so let's keep going here. Um, so this is why, again, I'm going to read it one more time. As long as we have, as, as long as the image we have of ourselves reflects the man we were, our conduct and condition of life will reflect the man we were even though we are not that man any longer. Now, I want to just, a word among others, that the Lord has really just been dealing with me about, that I've done uh, a lot of my study over the last several weeks uh, of the word reflect or reflecting or reflection and the word image. And, and we find those uh, words uh, in the Scriptures. And they're, and they're extremely important words when it comes uh, to understanding What the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And so, again, I'm going to read this. As long as the image we have of ourselves reflects the image of the man we were, uh, then our condition and conduct of life will reflect the man we were, even though we are not that man, even though you are not that woman any longer. So, again, this is why we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds or, or where we need the Lord's help in establishing the right self image inside of us. Just a couple of other things. We said it's impossible to have the wrong self-image and function in the potential you possess as the offspring of God. You you can't... See, your life reality will rise and fall to the level of your thinking. And so it's impossible to have the wrong self-image and function in the potential you possess as the offspring of God. Now, there's, there's something in all of us that knows we were created for something more even than what we're experiencing right now. And you may be experiencing high levels of God's glory operating in your life, but we still have that gnawing sense inside of us that, that there has to be more to life than this, that there, there has to be even more to living for God than what we're experiencing. And trust me, that, that intuition, if you will, for lack of a better word, inside of you is, um, is absolutely uh, correct um, the, the level upon which God has created us to live, the conduct, the condition and quality of life um, is uh, much higher than any of us have realized or experiencing right now. Again, even if you are operating at high levels of these things, praise God. Um, this is a review slide. I defeat my Creator Father's purpose for making me a new man if I insist on clinging to the inward image of my former self, the old man that only exists in my mind. Now... I want, you to, I want you to consider this. And, and um, this is kind of a, a, a combination of a, of a lot of things that, uh, uh, that we've covered over the last few weeks. Um, but this is the first time that I've just presented it all in one package, all right? And so pay close attention, please. For the child of God, meaning this is someone who's been born again, someone who's received salvation. For the child of God, fear... Shame, depression, inferiority, insecurity, condemnation, and feelings of unworthiness are all rooted in a wrong self-image. Okay? Again, for the child of God, fear, shame, depression, inferiority, insecurity, condemnation, feelings of unworthiness, all of these things are rooted in and products of a wrong self-image. Now, I'm clarifying the statement when I say for the child of God because if someone is not yet born again, then the reason they're experiencing all that in their lives is something different from the, 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 the man or woman who has been born again. Because for the man or woman who has been born again, there is no more fear. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no more shame or, or no reason to be depressed or to feel inferior or to think of yourself as being unworthy or feelings of insecurity. Are you following me? Now, the only reason we're still dealing with those things in our lives is because we don't see ourselves as, as God sees us, as God has, has created us in, in, in the true image of who we actually are. Amen. Now let me ask you, let me, let me try to say it another way to just kind of reinforce this point. When we get to heaven, will we we'll be afraid, shamed, depressed, inferior, insecure, condemned, or feel unworthy? no no we won't okay you say well yeah because that because that'll be heaven but do you realize the born-again spirit that's in you now is the same born-again spirit that'll be in heaven one day in other words what he's done in you it's not like when you get to heaven he's he's going to like change something what's going to happen when we get to heaven we get to heaven we will know then as we are known right now and so discipleship is about the the image that you have of yourself coming into alignment and agreement with the the true image that of who god you know made you to be So one more time, for the child of God, fear, shame, depression, inferiority, insecurity, condemnation, and feelings of unworthiness are all rooted in the same self-image. And here's the thing, now we're going to build on this for a minute. This includes any behavioral issues associated with these things. Can I tell you why the child of God still struggles with habitual sin? Wrong self-image. See, the more, the more God made you righteous, your, your true image through the new birth is righteousness. Why do God's people then still live and uh, in, in, in participate in unrighteousness? Because of the image that they have of themselves. See, the Bible says the more you understand the hope that's in you, the more you will purify your life even as Christ is pure. The more you see yourself as, as as righteous, the more righteousness will be, here's that word again, reflected in your behavior. Here's another key, here's another key word that we've used a lot around here over the years, and, and again, the Holy Spirit's bringing it back. It's this word expression, expression. When you give expression to something, so we said that, that discipleship is about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. When something is expressed, if someone expresses themselves, they're taking something that's inside of them and bringing it forth outward, from within them outward. So an artistic expression... You ever, heard that, you, ever heard that? <laughs> you ever heard that expression, right? An artistic expression. This is when someone creatively in, in their minds uh, then produces some artwork, some writes some song, uh, a book or, or, or what have you. It's, it's an expression of something that, that was inside of them that was brought forth from them. Okay? Now I'm getting way, way ahead of myself, but the tie-in here is that Jesus, the Bible says, is the express image of God. Express image, meaning what? Identical. Absolutely identical. That's Hebrews 1. I mean, he, if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father, is, is what the Bible says. Now, just file that away somewhere uh, in your heart, because we'll, we'll circle back around to that, if not this morning, at a later date, okay? So, even if, if we're dealing with um, habitual sin... And what I mean, by, listen, we, we, we all, the Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. In other words, he's talking about that you know, we're growing and, and, and developing. And, but how do we cut the head off of these things in, in our lives? We have to recognize that, that what's in the heart is, becomes an issue in our lives. And so if, if wrong things are in our heart, it's going to produce wrong issues or negative issues in our lives so jesus came not just to change your behavior he came to change your heart he came to change what's inside of you but remember we defeat our creator father's purpose if he makes us a new man but we cling to the image of the old one we 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 still see ourselves in light of the that's another one see ourselves in light of right light reflection image we still see ourselves in light of as a reflection of the old man instead of in light of or as a reflection of the new man and that's our self image so as long as we see ourselves that way we're going to keep projecting reflecting projecting forward the image that we have of ourselves in our soul instead of the true image that that we are in our spirit oh sweet jesus amen listen i i know your faiths with mine we we're gonna get this amen you've got to get this i've got to get this we've got to get this i i am you know don't you want to know what kind of life's on the other side of the wall you keep hitting i believe this is the this is the wall of all walls it's the wall of our self-image it, it, you can't rise above you can't live beyond the image that you have of yourself even if the image that you have of yourself is wrong so if you think about this list for a moment, let me put it back. Uh, oh, it's still on the screen, okay. Think about this list for a moment. Fear, just take fear. And, and we spent half a sermon establishing fear is rooted in a wrong self-image, okay? The Bible says God didn't give you that spirit of fear, that, that inward image of yourself as fearful. That's, <laughs> he gave you one of power, love, and sound mind. Self-control, right? There's a whole sermon on this. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to go back and I don't have time to repeat that and the new stuff too. But again, do we see ourselves as powerful or do we see ourselves as weak? The Bible says, let the weak man say I'm strong. Do, do we do we uh, uh, see ourselves as loving and generous and kind? Or do we just use human nature as an excuse for being selfish and stingy? Do we see ourselves as men and women of, of, of strong um, character and 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 strong uh, self-control or do we use the, the the weaknesses as as excuses and and see ourselves as being weak so just fear alone let me here's another way just to illustrate it if somehow if somehow all fear you know out of our lives you go like, well you know some things we ought to be afraid of heights and that come on you understand what i'm saying intimidation being timid questioning God questioning uh, you know not willing to step out in faith where would the body of Christ be if if we could somehow get rid of the fear that's holding us back well how do we get rid of that fear it's rooted in self-image so the self-image changes see the body of Christ is in we have an identity crisis right now and have been for many many generations according to the word of God how about shame depression Inferiority, feeling inferior, feeling less than, insecure, condemned, unworthy. These are some of the biggest issues we deal with in our daily lives. And because these are all products of a wrong self-image, they will never change unless and until our wrong self-image changes. I like simple because Jesus liked simple and made things simple. Sometimes we, you know, we look at our lives and, and um, you know, all the things that we want to grow in, all the things that we need to change, all, all the things that seem to be holding us back, all, all the things that, that um, are are causing torment and 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 sleepless nights and, um, if only this and if only that. I'm telling you. If you were to make a list of every one of those things, there's one common denominator that will affect them all, self-image, every bit of it. Say, well, I need, I need to work on my fear. Then, then let the Holy Spirit help you with your self-image. I need to work on feeling condemned. Then let the Holy Spirit help you work on your self-image. Well, you know, I feel insecure. And, and, you know, sometimes I go in and I feel like I could do more on my job. But I'm afraid that, again, let the Holy Spirit. There's all these things that the Holy Spirit would have us chase. I mean, not the Holy Spirit. The devil would have us chasing our tail trying to fix them individually. And never getting to the root cause that's, that's producing every one of them. Because all of these are products of a wrong self-image, they will never change unless and until our self-image changes. But good news, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You should not be, I should not be intimidated to lay my hands on somebody who's sick. We should not be intimidated by cancer. Now, I'm, you say, well, Pastor Mark, you're stretching us. The Holy Spirit's stretching us all. But see, why, why are we intimidated by these things? Wrong self-image. If you saw yourself as you were already known in heaven, you, you, you wouldn't be intimidated by anything. Was Jesus intimidated by it? Obviously not. Obviously not. Amen. Now, praise God. We have covered here on Sundays and Wednesdays and and especially in discipleship class um, over the years, hours and hours and hours teaching on spirit, soul, and body. I personally believe it's one of the most important things that we could ever understand because, see, again, you really don't have the capacity to understand the importance and power of self-image unless you first understand that you're a three-dimensional being. Genesis, um, I'll tell you what, let me go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Obviously, this is New Testament written after Genesis, but... Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now I'm going to review a little bit. For some of you, these are things that you could get up here and teach as well as me, if not better, because you've heard it so many times. Don't lose interest. Okay, we're going somewhere fresh with this this morning. So this, of course, is directly connected to what we see In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I'll stop right there. Pay close attention to us and our plural pronouns. Why is that? Because God is not one. God is three yet one. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So a three yet one being created you and me, three yet one beings. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. You are Spirit, Soul, and Body. You are a three-dimensional being. Most people only think of themselves in one dimension. Others think of themselves in two dimensions as, as in body and mind. And the mind is the key factor in the soul, but is the soul is even more than the mind. So I guess we would say instead of two dimensions there that's one and two thirds dimension but the reality of it is you are a three dimensional being and and your spirit is not only the most important dimension of your existence it is the real it is the real you or it is where your true image who you truly are in Christ Jesus resides so we said because you are a three dimensional being it's possible for you to have three different versions or images of yourself your true self which is your born again spirit the way you see yourself which is your self-image and then the version of yourself you present to the world okay again that's a that's a real how do i say this gently there's really no way amen that's just a real poetic way of saying hypocrisy right because that's that's what a hypocrite is where we present One version of ourself to someone else, other than the 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 image or the version that we have of ourselves. We're trying to get people to think things about us that we don't even believe true about ourselves. Now, this is where we we kind of start digging into some things here, because if you'll let the Holy Spirit help you understand these things, He will help you understand why a whole lot of things are the way they are and have been. In your life, ultimately leading us to freedom. Amen? Ultimately leading us to freedom. So we said there's tremendous tension exists between the way we see ourselves and the way we want other people to see us. We also said that it's mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausting to try to keep these things up, okay? So we also said that the three images, your true image is your spirit, your self-image coincides with your soul, and then your outward image has to do with your body. Now, I believe that we will never properly appreciate our salvation until we better understand all we have been saved from. Okay, you still with me? You, you Amen. It's just now ten thirty. We just now getting started. No, I'm kidding. Amen. All right, we will. We will never properly appreciate our salvation until we better understand all we've been saved from. And we've preached a series of sermons on this before. I'm not going to go back through all of that. But my friend, my brother, my sister, we were sunk. We, we were dead men and women with no way of being alive again. We were lost forever and no one could save us. We couldn't save ourselves and nobody around us could save us because they were all drowning just like we were. But for Jesus, right, he came. But he did more than just save us from our sin. Jesus did more for you than, uh, than forgive you for the wrong that you've committed. He ultimately came to make you a new creation. And He ultimately came to restore you and me back to the fulfillment of Father's original purpose and intent for us. Now, I want to start this morning, and it's, it's going to take us some time. Um, to to build this, and um, and we're gonna amen. We're gonna do the due diligence. All right. In other words, we're we're laying some things down here that the Holy Spirit is gonna not only help us understand better and and embrace better, but it's things that we have to understand in order for the next things that He is so excited about teaching us. Uh, to make sense. All right? Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. And we'll we'll cover this in greater detail in the days ahead. But I just felt prompted. It's not in my notes. But I felt prompted during praise and worship to, to make this statement before I go any further. Uh, right here. In other words, put the brakes on right here. And let's make this statement, okay? Are you with me? It's really important that you hear this, okay? <clears throat> the Bible says that God is our Father is our potter, and that we are the clay, meaning with His own hand He formed us and created us. Now, literally, if you go to the book of Genesis, we see where where, where God put his hands his own hands in the dirt and formed the outward part of mankind, outward part of Adam, ultimately you and me, from the dust of the earth. But then he breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life. And this is when Adam became animated. This is when Adam came alive. Now, if we go back to this biblical concept, this biblical truth of God as potter, me and you as clay. And we see this in the Scriptures. But we see this in light of Him being number one, you and me being number two. We didn't create Him, He created us. He made it for eons, eternity past of time without us. And He created you and me because He wanted us, And He created us for an eternal purpose. Therefore, He created us to be eternal beings. I think it's interesting to note, biblically, is that what began in a garden in a place called Eden ends with a wedding feast in a place called heaven. And you could draw a simple conclusion from that, is that all the the history of humankind on planet Earth was about finding, developing, and perfecting a bride fit for Jesus our groom or a body fit for Jesus our head. Now, I often confess in the mornings something to this, well, not something to this effect, exactly to this effect. My life is not my own to do with as I please. I've been bought with a price And Father, my life is yours to do with as you please. You are the potter. I am the clay. Even though you are infinitely more to me than potter and I am infinitely more to you than clay, potter and clay is where our relationship began. And if I ever lose sight of that truth, I'm headed for dangerous waters. He's way more to me than some potter with his hand on a lump of slimy clay. But that's where it began. He created me. Are you following me? Now, if you were... and So again, this isn't in my notes that I have to present to you. It's in a whole bunch of notes I've got in another document. I'm not going there, but just listen to me, please. If you were to read that, look it up later. Don't look it up now, look it up later. The context of that is that the clay has no right to say to the potter, why did you make me the way you made me? Nor does the clay have the right to say to the potter, you did not know what you were thinking when you made me the way you made me. Questioning. Questioning the, the potter questioning how He made us, questioning who He made us to be, questioning the way in which He made us, and, and even daring to accuse Him of not knowing what He was doing, having no idea what He was thinking when He chose to make us the way He made us. There's a lot of people who hear that and they, and, and they try to use it as some kind of negative. Are you kidding me? This is not a negative and when you begin to have your spirit eyes opened to the reason for which you were created, to the purpose for which you were created, to the, to the heights for which you were created, amen, to be just beneath God himself, one translation says you narrowly missed being God to, for it to be God and then you just underneath him. There are a lot of people who, who, who see what the Bible clearly has to say about these things and, and, they, and they disagree with it, they deny it, and what are they doing? They're a lump of clay telling, daring to tell the potter that he didn't know what he was thinking when he made us in his image. I didn't, I didn't ask to be created, I'm glad that I was. Some of you heard me tell, tell the story. My mother's appendix ruptured with me when she was nine months pregnant with me in 1967. The fact that me and my mom are in this building this morning is a miracle. I mean, that's a serious thing in 2021. Fifty-four years ago. Are you hearing me? I'm thankful to be here. I believe I'm here by providence. I believe that I was given grace and purpose in Christ Jesus before time began. I believe he knew me before I was ever formed in Brenda Winslet's womb. I, are you hearing me? I, 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 believe, I know all of that. The Bible tells me that. Psalm 139 tells me this. I mean, I could, I could again, the, the scriptures are full of these things. Ephesians talks about these these things as well. I am thankful to be here. I didn't ask to be here, but I'm glad I'm here. Nor did I insist on being made the way God chose to make me. Nor did I insist on Him creating me for the purpose for which He created me. And I'm not talking about my individual purpose. We all have specific purposes to our unique creation. I'm talking about just the general purpose for which man was created in the first place. So when I I said all that to say... We're, we're about to head down a pathway. that We're, we're going we're gonna to look at this because we'll never, life will never make sense if we don't understand the sense behind our making, the sense behind our life. And that sense didn't come from us. It came from God Himself before He ever created a single one of us. Now, there, there's a year's worth of sermons in this one phrase. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God said this. This is speaking of the determination in God's heart. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all three agreed that this was how it was going to be. That they were about to set something in motion that Jesus had already understood would cost, him, would cost him becoming a man one day and dying a horrific death so that the fulfillment and dream in the heart of the Godhead could one day be fulfilled in you and me. This was not something they came to casually. This was not a decision that they made flippantly. This was not some cosmic experiment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anytime Father God purposes in His heart to do something, it doesn't matter how much it costs or how long it takes, He will see it through to fulfillment. He will see it through to completion. He wants it to be you, my friend, but if it ain't you, He'll wait for somebody else. Now, let's just... Before we dig into any words, before we start dissecting Hebrew and Greek, just think about this. A creator can create something, especially if you are all powerful like our God is. All knowing like our God is. There's no limits to his imagination. Donald and I were talking about it before church. The colors that we'll see in heaven one day, there's nothing on earth to compare to it. He is infinitely creative and he is infinitely powerful. So he could have created you and me any way that he imagined and any way that he decided. But he didn't choose to do it any old way. He chose to do it a very deliberate, a very intentional, and a very specific way. The decision was not only are we going to create man, we're going to create them in our image and in our likeness. Can I simplify that for you? God created you. Please don't miss the simplicity of this. He created you to be like him. You know why? Don't overthink it. It's because he wants you to be like him. He wants you to be like him. You know, back in the at the height of his popularity, which I'm not sure has diminished very much even this many years past his career. But he talk about Michael Jordan, what would they say? Come on, somebody say it out loud. Be like Mike. Mike. Right? Be like Mike. Now I don't know if I don't think Mike came up with that. That sounds like a Wheaties commercial or a Nike or something. I don't know where that came from. Some of you may know. Okay? There's not an arrogant bone in God's body, but If he's going to create you, I want you to see the love that he has for you before he ever created you. He didn't create you like an angel. Could I I simplify it? Angels don't have it as good as God has it. I mean, God's like, well, who, you know, are are, are we going to just do something completely brand new here, unlike anything that's ever? But he's like, no, 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 no. no, I I want them to be like the best. And God's the best. I just felt the Holy Spirit say this to me, okay? just He's confirming this is what he's already been talking to me about, right? He's like, he loved you so much, if there was anybody better, he would have created you like them. But he created you to be like him. To enjoy what he enjoys, to feel what he feels, to know what he knows, to love like he loves, to be loved, and to give love, and to know love, to know the, the joy of, of fulfillment and meaningfulness, to know the satisfaction of being creative yourself, to know the satisfaction, praise God, of, of bearing fruit. Of, of just you know all of these things man he he created this earth before sin wrecked it and and even then you know i mean it's it 's still an awesome place. He created this this world as just a as as a laboratory for you to be a steward of and for you to express your dominion and authority in because God has a, a domain that he expresses his his dominion in, and so he created a domain for you to be like him and express your your dominion in this domain. This this is this is it, man. I'm telling you. You boom, scream it out of my mouth. He created you to be an earthly representation of himself. One definition of this word image is literally a physical representation of you were created to bear the image of God in this created realm. Now, what we're going to look very closely at in the days to come is that when God created Adam, he created him in such a way for Adam's spirit to reflect God's glory, the glory of God, if we could use this expression, shining into Adam's spirit. Now, your soul was created in such a way as to reflect your spirit towards and through your outward man I want you to make sure you understand this so Adam's spirit was illuminated by I got all kinds of verses but one one definition of this word image in the Greek is the word icon we get our English word icon from it in the in the Greek it's eikōn icon and and it it distinguishes the difference between things that are, that are similar or resemble one another. And the key thing about icon is that there's always a prototype from which um, an, an image or an icon was drawn, was taken from. So we weren't just created, as James says, m- men in the similitude of God. I'm not saying that verse is wrong, but Adam, but James in the Holy Spirit was talking about something different. Now, we're not just similar to God; we are icons of God, because we we bear His representation, and 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 for which He is the prototype. In other words, a prototype is the first in a, in a series, and so God became the prototype for which He created man as an icon. Amen. And he created us in such a way, stay with me now, he created us in such a way for our spirit to become a a reflection of. And, And so Icon... It's the simplest example, but if you've ever seen an image of the sun on the face of water, you're seeing an icon of the sun, S-U-N. In other words, you're seeing a reflection of the image of the sun in the water. And so your spirit was created to be the water to God's son, S-U-N, or should we say S-O-N. In other words, your spirit was created by God in such a way as to reflect the glory of God. Amen. And for the glory of God that emanates from the throne of God that that shines into your spirit for your soul then. God created your soul to reflect what's in your spirit so that your soul then can project it forward to your outward man and through your outward man into the world around you. This is when Jesus went up on the Mount of transfiguration right? He's the example of these things. People were already seeing the image of God in everything he said and everything he did but he called called three of his closest friends to him and he went up on a mountain by himself and there the spirit that was in him reflecting the glory of God literally emanated through him until he stood there and he glowed like the sun in front of Peter, James, and John. I offered to you this morning that by the same miracle you could glow that way as well right now. Because when He created your spirit again, He restored its ability to not just reflect. Hear me now. Ah, Sweet Jesus. Not just reflect the glory of God, but to receive it. Christ in you. Come on now. Christ in you. Stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. Christ in you. My heart's full this morning. My heart's full this morning. Listen to me now, please, 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 please. Listen, listen, listen. I got to get this part said. I got to get this part said, okay? I'm not trying to act all goofy on you. I just got to get this said. What, What happened when Adam sinned? His spirit went dead, his spirit lost the ability to reflect the glory of God to his soul. And now instead, the soul that was created by God to reflect is not reflecting the light and glory of God in his spirit that was connected to God, but now his spirit has gone dead. Or we could say it another way, his spirit went dark. And when his spirit went dark, now his soul that was created by God to reflect what's in his spirit is now reflecting darkness. It's now reflecting emptiness. It's now reflecting uh, um, uh, death into his outward man. I heard Brother Copeland say it this way. You know, man's spirit died when Adam sinned, but it took us several hundred years to learn how to die. That's why those people live so long back in the day. They know how to die. They know how to speak death. They know how to, you follow me. Praise God. But in the same way that our souls were imprinted by that old man, the soul of all humanity received a shadow, received an imprint from our original design. That's why the Bible says Gentiles who don't know anything about the law of God still believe it's wrong to commit murder. Gentiles who don't don't have the law, they obey the law. Because never in any culture that's ever existed on planet Earth has it been right for one man to abandon another on the battlefield. See, there's something, there's something hardwired into us. There's something in us. Some morality, some moral code. You know, Where do these things come from? C.S. Lewis says it's evidence enough to know that there is a God because there's something in us that, that says that's right and this is wrong. Who, who arbitrarily came up with that one day? God came up with that. And it's in the same way the old man leaves a residue on our soul that we still deal with in our outward reality. The Godhead left an imprint on our soul even long after Adam's spirit went dark. Which leaves us in this really odd position. Knowing that we're created for more but not knowing how to do it. Can I tell you what religion is? Religion is man's effort to reflect the glory of God without really knowing him. So enters things like competition, jealousy, hypocrisy. This, this is why we feel so compelled to create this outward image. The soul was, cre- was designed to, re- to reflect forward. All this darkness being reflected outward in competition with the residue God left on our soul that we should not be doing this. We should be living better. This is the origin of Romans 7. I know to do good, but I don't find within me the power to do it and the good that I know I should do. I don't find the wherewithal to follow through on it. Who will deliver me from this body of death? His name's Jesus, my friend. His name's Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Father, as we stand before you this morning, Just pray the simple prayer that my grandson, from the mouth of babes, Father Jesus, help us. Oh, Jesus, help us. We need your help this morning. We've struggled with so many things that we should not be struggling with. And Lord, that's not a word to add to the guilt or the condemnation. But Father, it's it's an encouraging word because there's answers. And, And we struggle with things that we should not be struggling with, Father. And we do so struggle with things you set us free from. 2,000 years ago, things you healed us of, things that you've delivered us from, things that that no longer are true about us, and yet we continue to live as if they're true because that's the image that we have. It's the belief that we have, the opinion that we have of ourselves. Father, thank you for the true image that is our born-again spirit. Help us make strides in bringing that self-image into alignment with that true image so that our soul can reflect that to our outward man, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Father, I have done to the best of my ability, Lord, what you've asked me to do this morning. But, Father, I know that, that, that my best efforts and my best intentions will fall short without the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And so as we conclude this morning, we collectively, we humble ourselves, we we submit ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who will lead us and guide us into all truth. Father, may a holy interest, may a holy hunger develop within us to know our true image, our true self, who we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Father, may it be something that we're not just interested in, but may may interest turn into passion, that we become passionate. Father, I thank you that these things that you're teaching us are already making a difference in our lives. Glorify your name, Father, for you have glorified it, and I ask that you glorify it again in a greater and deeper way. In this family of faith called Heritage Christian Center. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Okay, he reminded me one I know, amen. I'm not apologizing for the time. Just listen to me. I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna tell you, have a great afternoon. Are you ready? He circled me back around to Gideon. And it's as simple it's so simple, but it's so profound. Gideon's self-image had been formed from what was done to him. He said, I want your self-image to be formed from what's been done for you. See, when they cried out, God, why have you forsaken us? God responded by what? Everything he had done for them. But despite all that he had done for them, their image, this many generations past Egyptian slavery, was still a self-image formed from what was done to them, including what you've done to yourself. Amen. All right. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Please know how much your love. Please know how much. I appreciate you being in here. We started a year ago preaching to a camera. So I am so glad that that we're back together. You be blessed. You're loved. Good things coming. Amen.